Alright. Hard Talk Radio, live in 4K. Hope you guys had a good Friday. And we're going to kick it off with Saudi Arabia wants to join BRICS. Those of you who don't know, that is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Alright. I, be- I believe it's... Um, that's what it is. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Let's get into it. Bar Talk Radio, live in 4K. Okay. Another battle that the West is fighting, a battle of narratives, a battle to win new allies, only that it is failing miserably at this. Forget new allies. Even old friends of the West are ditching it, like Saudi Arabia. First, it refused to ramp up oil production for the European Union. And now, it wants to be a part of BRICS, a block of five major emerging economies, including China and Russia. The president of South Africa says Riyadh is interested in joining this block. Why? Our next report telling you. This is Cyril Ramaphosa, the president of South Africa. On Sunday, he visited the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and made a stunning revelation. Ramaphosa said that Riyadh wants to join BRICS, a block of five major emerging economies, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Saudi Arabia wants to be its sixth member. At least that's what Ramaphosa claims. Here's what he said during the visit. The Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman did express Saudi Arabia's desire to be part of BRICS. That's not all. The South African president says Saudi Arabia is not the only country. A couple of others are keen on joining as well. Watch this. They have a great desire and uh, they're not the only country that is finding the BRICS family or formation attractive because of what BRICS stands for. And so we did say to them, the BRICS uh, nations are going to be meeting in a summit next year under the chairship of South Africa, uh, in South Africa. And the matter is going to be under consideration. And already a number of countries or nations have been making approaches to each of the BRICS members and we've given them the same answer that it will be discussed by the BRICS uh, partners themselves, five of them, and thereafter a decision will be made. So how does one perceive this? Why are so many countries keen on joining BRICS? And what about the Saudis? What's their intention? To answer this, we'll first have to understand the purpose of BRICS. It was established to serve as an alternative to Western blocs, to counter their hegemony in geopolitics and the global economy. So, is Riyadh's bid to join BRICS an attempt to disassociate itself from the West? It surely seems like it, because Saudi Arabia's relations with Washington have hit a new low. Look at some recent developments. OPEC Plus has refused Biden's request to ramp up oil production. It then snubbed Biden's threats with a sharply worded statement. 
then, as if to rub salt on injury, an American citizen has been sentenced to 16 years in prison in the kingdom. This was followed by another snub. Saudi Arabia did not extend an invitation to American officials for an investment conference scheduled for later this month. And now Saudi Arabia wants to join BRICS. It all seems to be part of a strategy. Saudi Arabia's push to decouple itself from the United States and ultimately the West. Your report, we on world. So it seems that, you know, <clears throat> the United States is pretty much um, looked upon as disgust with many of the other with nations like Saudi Arabia. They're seeing what they who seeing them for who they really are. And uh, you can't blame them. Okay? You can't. Much of with their history. Okay? <laughs> but let's get into uh, what has to be said about them. South African President Cyril Ramposa held a two-day summit with Saudi Arabia on mostly economic matters. At the conclusion of the summit, he confirmed the intent of Saudi Arabia to join BRICS Economic Coalition, which should not come to us as a surprise, given the previous statements by Saudi leader and Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salam, Salman, MSM. Ramposa confirmed Saudi Arabia wants to join BRICS family. This was revealed by President Cyril from Ramaphosa during his two-day state visit to the kingdom on Sunday. The Crown Prince, Prime Minister Mohammed bin Salman uh, bin Abdulaziz Assad, did express Saudi Arabia's desire to be part of BRICS, and they are not the only country, said Ramaphosa. He confirmed this on Sunday during an engagement with the media. BRICS held its first summit in 2009, with the SA joining the following year. The bloc has generally been seen as an alternative to the dominance of the Western economies. We did say that BRICS having a summit next year under the chairman of South Africa in Saudi Arabia, and the matter is going to be under consideration. A number of countries are making approaches to BRICS members, and we have given them the same answer, and it will be discussed by the BRICS partners, and thereafter a decision will be made. Since the outset of the Western alliance sanctions against Russia, we have been predicting an increased geopolitical influence from the BRICS team. A global financial and economic cleaving is underway, created by the Western nations chasing ideological climate change, energy policy, while the rest of the world remains pragmatic toward oil, coal, and natural gas as energy resources. So basically... They want away from the Western nonsense of climate change, okay? They want practical things, things that are tangible, things that could build wealth for their own people, like coal, oil, and natural gas. We have been closely monitoring the signs of a global cleaving around the energy sector taking place. Essentially, Western governments following the Build Back Better climate change agenda, which stops using coal, oil, and gas to power their economic engine, while the rest of the growing economy, growing economic world continues using the more efficient and traditional forms of energy to power their economies. Okay, 
In July 2022, this ascension, if Saudi joins, will balance the world economic system, especially the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, in the largest exporter of oil in the world. And it's in the G2 Hamed, G20, Hamed said. If it happens, this will support any economic movement and development in the world trade and economy and record remarkable progress in social and economic aspects as Saudi Arabia should have partnerships with every country in the world. But this That would essentially be the end of the petrodollar, and in even more consequential terms, the end of the United States' ability to use the weight of the international trade currency to manipulate foreign government. The global economic system would have an alternative. The fracturing of the world created as an outcome of energy development would be guaranteed. So basically, they don't want to be under the dictatorship of the United States. That's basically it. I can't blame them due to, you know, the tyranny of the United States government and what they've been doing to other countries and creating enemies in the process. Keep in mind, in the early June Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell stated, (coughs) rapid changes are taking place in the global monetary system that may affect the international role of the dollar. The Western Alliance Yellow would be chasing climate change energy policy to power their economies. The rest of the world, gray, would be using traditional and more efficient energy development. The global cleaving around energy use would be complete. This is not some grand conspiracy out there. Deep geopolitical possibility for promoting likelihood as an outcome of short-sighted Western emotion. No, this is just a predictable outcome from Western-created events that push Pacific countries to a natural conclusion based on their best interests. You can debate the motives of the Western leaders who structured the sanctions against Russia and whether they knew the outcome would happen as a consequence of their effort, but the outcome was never really in doubt. Personally, I believe this outcome is what the West intended. The people inside the World Economic Forum are not stupid. Ideological, yes, but not stupid. They knew that this global cleaving would happen. For a deep dive dive on BRICS, as predicted by CTH, the bottom line is the 2022 punitive economic and financial sanctions by the Western Nations Alliance against Russia was exactly the reason why BRICS assembled in the first place. Multinational corporations in control of government are what the BRICS assembly foresaw when they first assembled during the Obama administration. When multiple national corporations ran, run the policy of Western government, there is going to be a problem. In the bigger picture, the BRICS assembly are essentially leaders who do not want corporations and multinational banks running their government. BRICS leaders want their government running their government. And yes, that means whatever form of government that exists in their nation, even if it is communist. BRICS leaders are aligned as anti-corporatists. That doesn't necessarily make government leaders better stewards. It simply means they want to make the decisions and they do not want corporations to become more powerful than they are as a result if you really boil it down to the economic to the common denominator what you find is BRICS group are the opposing element to the world economic forum assembly the BRICS team intend to create alternative option for all other nations an alternative to the current western trade and financial platforms operated on the use of the dollar as a currency perhaps many nations will use both financial and mechanisms financial mechanisms depending on their need the objective of BRICS group is simply to present 
an alternative trade mechanism that permits them to conduct business regardless of an opinion of the multinational corporations in the Western Alliance. The BRICS team, especially if Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Argentina are added, creating BRICS Plus, would indeed be counterbalanced to the control of the Western trade and finance. This global cleaving is moving from a possibility to a likelihood. If Saudi Arabia joins BRICS, the fracture becomes almost certain. Okay. Hmm. I can't get mad at these people. I really can't. You know, this is something that, you know, any nation who knows the history of the U.S. government, they see that they want their own, they want to run their own nation, okay? They want to have their own autonomy, even if it's communist. I don't agree with communism. I wouldn't want to live in a communist country, but I do agree with the fact that they want to be able to run their own company without Western interference. And I'm sorry, Western culture is no longer good okay we have um we're dealing with alphabet mafia we're dealing with um corruption on both political parties we're dealing with a lot here okay that is toxic western culture is toxic okay and it's a cancer that spreads and some countries are want to protect themselves from that like china and russia it's just the way it is i mean you can't knock that you just you want to fight with me do some research okay do some research on the marriage rate do some research on um how we have sex workers fighting for the right to have to call it normal work and you have morons willing to fight to make that possible to break down the family structure more than it already is now those other countries don't want their kids turned into alphabet mutilation victims yay that's why russia has those strict laws it's true they're not against you you know you want to you know they're not trying to ban the alphabet lifestyle if you want to choose it however the standard for family will be traditional in their country. They want to preserve their culture. I can't I can't knock that. I can't. Anybody with sense would understand what's going on here. All right. So we're gonna go talk about Kanye getting sued for his brilliant, brilliant way of how he talked about George Floyd on drink champs let's get into that our talk radio live in 4k let's go what's going on here oh, oh. Hold on a minute. Floyd is preparing to file a $250 million lawsuit against Kanye West. Uh, it comes after the rapper, who now legally goes by the name Ye, said in a podcast that Floyd died from a fentanyl overdose and not from suffocation after having a police officer's knee on his neck for more than nine minutes. 
you may remember former Minneapolis uh, officer Derek Chauvin was. I don't, I'm surprised on Drink Champs, like they didn't kick him off. The minute he said something like that, it should have been like cut. You know, we we interrupt this program. All right, we put it back on. Oh, where's Kanye? Oh, he's canceled. Carry on. That that's what I would have done. You know, and Nori would not have to apologize, even though I really do think you know the things he was saying. Yeah, he was saying some. He 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 said things that were okay. They weren't new. I mean, many people, even in barbershops, in black barbershops, said the things that Kanye was saying. He wasn't saying, Kanye wasn't saying anything that was profound. He was saying things that black people have talked about in barbershops, at home, with their friends for decades. After seeing how their, you know, their communities went to crap. Okay. The inner cities went to crap with hip-hop influence. He wasn't he wasn't saying much. Okay. So that baffles me with some liberal black Americans when it comes to that. But I do say a fact that, you know, Nori, you know, he, he just I'm sorry, he just sounded like a slave. He really did. Just kissing the the feet of your overlords to keep your show. This is why Malcolm X said, entertainers are not people to be talking about politics. They're not people to be, be freedom fighters. Look how they change. An entertainer is a synonymous with a prostitute. <clears throat> they, where, they go where the money goes. Okay. They're not loyal to anybody but that money. And they will do anything, anything to keep that money. Switch narratives, do whatever they have to do. Nori was sitting there drinking, happy, agreeing with Kanye. But then when it was over, he sobered up. Apology tour. Oh, man, you know, this is drink champs. This is a political champs. Why would you get drunk talking on, on a podcast? Why would you do that? I could understand maybe, you know, all right, it's drink champs, all right? But to get inebriated, even that, you know Kanye saying things that are completely off the wall. So what he said some things that are right. A broken clock is right twice a day. However, the nonsense with George Floyd, you should have known, or what he said about Harriet Tubman, you should have known, don't bring him on your show. But like I said, he was just doing it because he wanted notoriety. He wanted some status. This is why, once again, entertainers are not for um, black empowerment. That's what I like what Kurt Russell said about about being an entertainer. We should shut our mouths when it comes to politics and real life issues because we're there to entertain, nothing more. Last year, during that trial, a physician testified that Floyd died from a lack of oxygen and ruled out the possibility that fentanyl played a role in his death. So we want to bring in uh, Nuru uh, Witherspoon. He's an attorney representing the Floyd family. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, so we mentioned that you're seeking $250 million. The saddest thing about this is you have black Republicans and black conservatives saying, no, you know, Floyd, he did, he he died of fentanyl. 
he didn't die of like of uh Derek Chauvin putting his knee on his neck. Derek Chauvin only weighed like 160 pounds. It wasn't like you know he was heavier or anything. And these are black people on the Republican Party saying this. And it's just like, wow. I'm telling you, man. House Negro field Negro. And when you hear those, you can hear a Democrat, black Democrat talk, and it's nonsense. But when you hear a black Republican talk, it's cringe. It's like, oh, man, what is this? What did they do to you? It's like, wow, you really said that? That's how you have to look at with, with black conservatives, clown conservatives, and black Republicans. They will just, it's just brainwashing. I'm sorry. It's like when I, it's like that movie Get Out, except it's real life. Damage um, for your clients, or that—that's what has been put forth anyway in the media. How, how? What will your plan be in terms of arguing this case? You know, thanks for having me. So first, you know, this case is about George Floyd's daughter, and I think it's important for everybody to understand that because oftentimes people can be distracted by the dollar amount. It's about his daughter, and a lot of people are making this case about free speech. While, yes, every American has the right to free speech, but as you know, there are limitations to that right. You cannot use free speech to, to defame people. You cannot use speech to incite riots, as we all know, and you cannot use speech to intentionally cause harm to other people. And so this is the issue, and we intend to argue that Kanye West because of his statements, he re-traumatized George Floyd's daughter. That's very important for people to understand. Not only that, he's using George Floyd's name, he's using George Floyd's likeness and image for profit. And in this country, that is illegal. So, Mr. Witherspoon, let me ask you, um, you issued a cease and desist letter against uh, Kanye West, ordering him to stop talking about George Floyd. Um, clarify that for us. Uh, and what happens with the case if he complies with the cease and desist? And I wonder if there's a little bit of daylight for the defense in that uh, Kanye West has famously said he doesn't read any books. So somebody can somebody I don't I don't know anything. I'm not a lawyer. So can somebody say, well, I didn't know what I was talking. And this is the person how you got you have some blacks on the left saying he's saying profound stuff. He is saying some stuff. He's a revolutionary. Kanye West. Man, don't read no books. These are red flags right here that should tell you this person is not someone you take seriously at all. Talking about, uh, we know that he watched Candace Owens' documentary, and that's where he's getting it. Yeah. And, and... Uh, Candace Owens. Candace Owens. I... The ultimate house Negro. Okay. She's the puppet puppeting Kanye West. You could tell that, but still Kanye made a choice to be manipulated by uh, Candace Owens. And like I said, when I was talking to people online, how could you take him seriously when he, when he joined up with Candace Owens the first time and he was complaining about Blexit. And then you join up with her again? Come on now. 
The math ain't mathing. So I'm going to piggyback on what Vlad is saying and also ask you if you consider adding Candace Owens to, to, to this lawsuit. Sure. Now, Vlad, to answer your question, you know, in, in this country, you can't break the law and then come back and say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do it. That's not how it works in this country. And all American citizens know that. And to your point, Anne-Marie, about Candace Owens, you know, we're in the stage of investigating and we're going to include all of the, the, the defendants that have caused harm to George Floyd's estate, his name, and that are using his image and his likeness for profit without permission. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because as soon as I heard about this lawsuit, I thought about the Alex Jones. Um, uh, I actually start to Google what has Alex Jones said about right. George Floyd. I mean, that's, like, that's I'm pretty sure. That's sort of the tribal mood, right? This. Isn't that a tribal mood yeah. for what we're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I want everyone to, to really look at that Alex Jones case because that case set a precedent. Alex Jones, for those who, you know, are living under a rock, was... Uh, sued and, and the jury issued a verdict for nearly $1 billion for his statements because they intentionally uh, inflicted emotional distress on the victims. That's the issue. His statements were false, they were defamatory, and they inflicted emotional distress. So that case set a precedent that this harm, this injury, or intentional infliction of emotional distress is worth nearly $1 billion. Um, and that doesn't include in our case, for example, in our case, Kanye West and his camp, Candace Owens, they are profiting by using George Floyd's image, his name and his likeness. I actually wanted to ask you about that because in your first answer, you sort of separated the two and you talked about using his image. You said you can't use Another thing I think about with that uh, George Floyd, with that Candace Owens documentary, she low-key mocks George Floyd's mother, but with Derek Chauvin's mother, she's so caring, she's so empathetic. It's disgusting. Derek Chauvin practically killed George Floyd. There are more than one ways, many ways Derek Chauvin could have handled George Floyd when he was ODing. And this was not, again, this was not the first time he put his knee on a person's neck. And you notice how the Republicans don't even want to look into that. They don't want to look into the fact that this man has did this before. And my thing with Candace Owens is you don't understand that you have a um, you have a mixed baby with your features Candace so when that child gets in trouble not by any fault of his own are those Republicans going to help you when your son gets profiled are they going to help you are your Republican buddies going to help you or are they going to take the opportunity to smear your child's name because it benefits their narrative. That's what I like to know. Just like you smeared Ahmed Arbery, I want to know will they back you 
Will Ben Shapiro back you? Will your conservative, low-key racist gang back you? I wonder if this will mean that uh, Kanye West's comments about George Floyd will gain even more attention. Um, does that factor into the decision to move forward with this lawsuit? Well, we, we we're going to move forward, and whether or not it it, it receives more attention, uh, we think it's a very important issue uh, in this country. I mean, people are talking about free speech, but people also need to understand the limitations. If you're going to use other people's name for profit, if you're going to profit from other people's pain, if you're going to re-traumatize people, then you have to pay for it, just like Alex Jones paid for it uh, in the verdict against him for nearly a billion dollars. And once again, many experts. Alex Jones was complete. He he was just just unwise doing that. He was a total. He was just being dumb. That was just total. You don't do that. Period. Pretty much, he was murdered. There's no other way around it. He was murdered. And it's just these clown conservatives, black clown conservatives, can't see it that way. Just, uh, uh, just utterly ridiculous. How you can't see that this man, Kanye, is not. Mentally sound. Okay. At all. The family of George Floyd plans to file a $250 million lawsuit against Ye. All right. This guy does not look sound. I'm sorry. Look at him. Look at him. Okay. Does this look like a, a sane individual? That got it all up. That got it all up there. No. I'm not trying to make fun of Kanye, but you have to look at this person, man. He's not right. In the head. The family Joy Floyd announced today that they will file a $250 million lawsuit against Ye, the rapper formerly known as Kanye West, following the comments he made about Floyd's death on the podcast Drink Champs. 
Hennepin County medical examiners ruled that George Floyd's death was a homicide caused by Derek Chauvin's kneeling on Floyd's neck for over eight minutes. But Ye, who was a guest on last weekend's episode of podcast hosted by rapper Noy and DJ EFN, put forth the idea that it wasn't Chauvin's who caused Floyd's death, but that he died of a fentanyl overdose. The lawsuit will be filed by Roxy Washington, the mother of Gianna Floyd, George Floyd's mother, only, I'm sorry, George Floyd's only daughter, and the sole beneficiary of his estate. Washington plans to use to sue Ye, his business partners, and associates for harassment, misappropriation, defamation, and infliction of emotional distress, seeking $250 million in damages, according to a statement from Washington's attorneys. Kanye's comments are a repugnant attempt to discount George Floyd's life and to profit from his inhumane death, said attorney Pat D. Dixon III. We will hold Mr. West accountable for his flagrant remarks against Mr. Floyd's legacy. Attorneys for the family have also issued a cease and desist letter to Ye for his comments. Free speech rights do not include harassment, lies, misrepresentation, and the misappropriation of George Floyd's legacy. Some words have consequences Mr. West will be made to understand that, said Kay Harper Williams, another of Washington's attorneys. On the matter of the First Amendment rights, however, the family may have an uphill bat- legal battle against Ye, said Roy Gutterman, director of the Tully Center for Free Speech at Syracuse University. First off, there is no possibility of a defamation action here because there would be no living plaintiff. <clears throat> whose reputation has been damaged, Gutterman told NPR. Liable and slander require a live plaintiff, and family members or surviving members do not have standing to sue for defamation. One possible path for this lawsuit, though, would be the allegation of an intentional infliction of emotional distress, Gutterman said. Although it would be difficult to claim, this requires the plaintiff to prove that the statements with the statements were intentional and reckless, outside the bounds of accepted decency and morality and causally connected to some visible harm. He said, this tort is often a difficult claim to collect on, especially with a media defendant. However, proving this claim is not impossible. Notably, Sandy Hook family successfully sued Alex Jones on this secondary tort in a recent civil trial in Connecticut. Ye's first Ye's episode of Drink Champs was pulled earlier this week. Damn. Drink Champs prides itself on its ability to allow a free flow of ideas within the hip-hop community, a representative for the program told Hollywood Reporter. That being said, unfortunately, the recent interview with Kanye contained false and hurtful information regarding the circumstances surrounding the murder of George Floyd. Host Nori called the hot, into Hotline and said it was Ebro in the morning to talk about the episode and issue an apology. I'm sorry, he said. Look, man, you... I'm gonna be honest. Nori needs to be sued, too, because... What were you thinking bringing him on that show? You know he says off-the-wall stuff all the time. What were you thinking? And you decide to drink. You decide to drink with having Kanye West on your show. No. I'm sorry he said, I'm sorry he said, I can't sit there and say that's only Kanye West. It's only what he said. But I have a responsibility when I'm in the audience, when I have an audience, when I watch myself. I was embarrassed. I was like, wait a minute. You just let him say that? I'm irresponsible for letting it go. Representative Kanye did not immediately return messages for comment. Hey, man. If they want to sue you too, hey, they sue you too. Because the reality is, I mean, you did let that man on the show. You, it's, you basically let somebody with, you know, suffering mental illness, and you notice they say off-the-wall stuff on your show. So, 
they could possibly come after you too. And since, you know, the families against Alex Jones, they won. And the, the victims weren't even alive. They could come after you too. They won. Why can't George Floyd's daughter come after Kanye and Nori? <clears throat> I will say this though. Him apologizing. Um, it does prove some of the things that Kanye said was right. A broken clock is right twice a day. However, it's still a broken clock. And you have to, if a person's a broken clock, you don't let them have certain access to you in a way that can have you paying in the long run. Like what's going on now. All right, so. Let's get into this, uh situation right here where I could say this that you know men young men uh, they they need to understand that sex is not food it is not food alright it's not water it's not um it's not something, it's not a need. It's a want, it's not a need. And if it's a want, you don't really need it, so you could do without it. And this is what happened to this young black man. Let's get into it. Hard Talk Radio, live in 4K. tale about online dating this is a strong contender what alleged victim in colorado springs went from hooking up to being tied up and what happened next sounds like something straight out of a horror movie good evening i'm mark Stoll. and i'm heather Stoll. thanks for making us your choice for your news at 10 o'clock tender terror tonight 13 investigates is learning startling new details about a tender date that turned violent inside a Colorado Springs apartment. Investigative reporter Sean Rice is live at the Hills Apartments along East Castle Poudre with more on this bizarre case. Sean. Remember, Heather, a 21-year-old man arrived here at this apartment complex after meeting a girl on the dating app Tinder. Mere minutes after entering her apartment, he found himself tied up and bleeding profusely after being stabbed multiple times by a kitchen knife. Pretty shocking to know somebody lives right around the corner is capable of doing this. Lori Gloria says the Hills apartment doesn't typically see a lot of police activity. They were out in force this past Wednesday night. Co-workers say Colorado Springs police were there to arrest 22-year-old Lauren Dooley on felony kidnapping and assault charges. She's accused of tying up and cutting a man she had just invited over that night. It scares me. I mean, I saw the gentleman. He was cut pretty good. And to think that somebody could do that, it's pretty scary. Police records say Dooley used a kitchen knife to cut the man's shoulder before placing a belt around his neck and choking him for 20 seconds. The rest affidavit says Dooley even ordered food from DoorDash, warning the victim, quote, you scream or say anything, I'll kill you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This this dude. <laughs> you had a white dude do this to a black woman, and now you have a black woman doing this to a black dude. This is crazy. If you scream, I'll kill you. The black woman escaped that madman's house said and try and got a white woman to help her. And she was saying, Don't don't call the police, he might kill us both. Crazy. After Julie 
outside. There was a gentleman outside who was bleeding, and he didn't have any clothes on. And there was a young lady standing in front of him. It was pretty scary. A search of the apartment revealed a kitchen knife, several blood-soaked rags, and blood in the bathroom. Court records say Dooley refused to speak or answer questions from investigators. She also did not answer her door when 13 investigates sought answers from the 22-year-old. Now the tight-knit apartment community can only wait and watch, hopeful that this tinder terror was a one-off, isolated incident. This is really unexpected. Like I said, all our neighbors here watch out for each other, so I hope nothing like this happens again. How come their neighbors aren't trying to picket to get her out the apartment? Get her out. Tell her to get out. Why aren't you picketing? Hmm. That says something. Just saying. Making an observation. This is the first time Lauren Dooley has been charged with a crime in the state of Colorado. She posted a $25,000 cash bond and is out of jail this evening. She will be back in court later this week. Reporting live in... Cash bond? She, she posted... What? What? She's back on these streets, man. Back on these streets. She about to do it again before she go to court. That's what she about to do. She almost domered this dude. Almost domered him. Sheesh. Wow, man. Wow. I, I, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. A woman in Colorado is under arrest after allegedly luring a man into her home before subjecting him to hours of torture, according to court reports. Lorene Marie Dooley, 22, was arrested on September 28th by the Colorado Springs Police Department after the investigators said she kidnapped a man she met on Tinder, according to probable cause affidavit obtained by Fox Colorado Springs affiliate KXRM-TV. The 21-year-old black male victim who was not named in the redacted reports, allegedly choked and stabbed him before he could escape after five hours in captivity. Investigation began around 5.45 p.m. after someone called 911 for an unknown call for a service. The affidavit states the victim was reportedly heard yelling on the phone, because you cut me, you're going to kill me, which dispatchers relayed to officers on their way to the scene. The caller also heard the male say he bled over, my, he bled over a bed. Police arrived at the E. Cache La, e. Cache La Podere Street address to find the victim naked in a parking lot. According to the ABC Colorado Springs affiliate KRDO, the residence is part of the Hills apartment complex. Upon a closer inspection of the victim, officers observed him bleeding from laceration on his left arm and noted that he was actively backing away from the suspect, later identified as Lauren Dooley. Dooley who had blood smeared on her arms and hands, according to the complaint, was arrested at the scene. Lauren Photo, Colorado Springs Police Department, Department. Officers relied on the victim's statement after Dooley invoked her right to remain silent. According to the mail, he and Dooley had just met after connecting on the dating app Tinder. The complaint said she, he accepted Dooley's invitation to go to her apartment before they began talking on her couch. You are so thirsty for sex that this is hooking up with complete strangers is deadly. Stop doing it. Lauren then proceeded to take the victim's clothes off and perform oral sex on him, per half David. He then 
He used duct tape to bind the victim's wrists together and ankles together. The victim found it odd but consented to it. Simp. However, the victim stated he withdrew consent after Julie allegedly produced a kitchen knife and forced him into and forced him into her bathroom. Dooley allegedly climbed on top of him on her bed and began cutting his shoulder and ultimately between manual strangulation and literature strangulation. In this case, a belt. Oh, wow. At one point, she checked the man's pulse via corduroy artery. Wow. Wow. This is sick. This is sick. She basically was trying to... Wow. This story reminds me so much of the Missouri serial killer. Lauren began to become upset that the victim was bleeding all over her bed, so she told him to get in the bathtub, which he complied with police wrote. Lauren then ordered some food from DoorDash. When the delivery person arrived, Lauren told the victim, if you scream or say anything, I'll kill you. Sometime later, the pair were back in Dooley's bed, where the male waited for her to fall asleep, according to his complaint. After noticing she left the knife by his bed, he obtained the weapon and freed himself from the restraints. On his way out, he accidentally bumped into the table, walking, awaking Dooley from her sleep and prompting the victim to run outside and call 911. <laughs> Following the search of Dooley's apartment, police found a kitchen knife near the bed, several blood-soaked rags, and a blood all over the bathtub, police wrote in a half David. Pretty shocking to know somebody that lives right around the corner is capable of doing this, said Hill's apartment resident, Lori Gloria. All right, I'm not going to say that part. <coughs> that was in the news. That was in the television report. Oh man. Oh man. This 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 is just crazy, man. <clears throat> uh. Uh, it, it, this this is crazy, man. This is ah oh, man. This dude was a simp. All right, let me read the comments here. All right, this one from Michael. How much is our bond? Asking for a friend. Oh gosh, simp. Martha, I'm a feminist with a strong background in criminal justice. I'm not soft on crime. I'm lucky. Unlike the average bleeding heart feminist who views women as hapless victims of men deserving a pity, I hope she is tried, convicted, and sentenced harshly. I give her life without parole. Truth be told, she should be strung up by strung up nude by her thumbs, root style, and whipped without mercy. I do the honors myself and ignore her blood curling screams. Bill, guys think they're safe on dates being the strongest sexman. Now but not always. Be weary of strange women also. Do not be so eager to get some. Exactly. Exactly. Max, I don't see the problem. All my dates are like this. Why is this news? <laughs> Keith, I don't get it. She's not exactly ugly. Okay. It, basically, that's what it is, man. Guys today are so thirsty to get sex that it blinds them from danger. Okay? That's the issue here. It blinds them from danger. Get to know people. Okay. It's just crazy, man. It is absolutely insane. All right, next story. Um we're dealing with uh <clears throat> let me just all right. Virginia rep introducing a bill to criminalize parents who don't affirm their child's gender identity. 
Let's check. Let's get into that one. And this this is nuts, man. This is nuts. This woman is actually, you know, making it that parents can't tell their kids, you know, this this is wrong. This is not you, okay? You just need some therapy. Let's get into it. Perfect. Okay, so I was looking at your campaign website, mm-hmm. and I was looking for some of the issues that you're passionate about, and I fell on your LGBTQ plus issues committees, and the first topic I want to talk to you about is this diversity training with state employees that the Yunkin administration has been rolling out. I know the Virginia Mercury did a story on this. What are you hearing from state employees, and what do you think about the diversity training? Well, uh, first, you know, the, when I wrote that bill, my intention was to help the state employees to become more knowledgeable about not only the different cultures, but also that I was targeting LGBTQ, you know, individuals that were coming to the state to be served. I actually, the, I came out with a bill because one of my constituents went to the DMV and he was identifying as a female and the DMV didn't want to help him because that was not the gender at birth. So mom called me, you know, in tears, look what's happening. And I said, that's a law. You have to put what they said they wanted to be. So I had to get involved. And then I realized by talking to the commissioner and talking to the employees who work at the DMV, that they need to understand where individuals come from and they as part of their job you know to help all virginians including the lgbtq community and we need to understand their rights and their identities so unfortunately while the bill went to the state senate then we realized that there was not even a cultural competence training and so we turned that into cultural competence and make that training broader and I haven't heard anything that people push back. As far as state employees, what I've heard is good feedback because they, many of them didn't know, for example, the amount of languages that are spoken in Virginia or the amount of communities that live in Virginia. So their state employees are excited about it and grateful that now they have that opportunity to be trained, but at the same time learn. And I was looking at the, um, let me pull this up here. It's coming. All right, here we go. So another issue I have seen on your website uh, that you've introduced and you're continuing to work on legislation to expand the definition of child abuse to include bullying a child based on gender identity or sexual orientation, what compels you to introduce this legislation and continue to work on this? Well, I'm a social worker, you know, and I've seen firsthand the lack of resources and support systems for children, LGBTQ children, and their parents as well. So we, when I was reading the law, and I have worked in child protective services as well, and we help all children. However, we have failed to, I, to state that bullying against children from an LGBTQ community for their gender identity or sexual orientation is not included as part of 
Why can't kids, why can't young children, if this is what you want to do, then you have to take the lumps that come with it, okay? Why is it that you're trying to force everybody to accept this lifestyle? Why? Why is it you just can't be like, you know what, this is who you are, and this is who you want to be? Fine. But you have to fight to, you know, people want to disrespect you, you have to fight back. Not force everybody to accept your lifestyle, cram it down their throat. That's the issue I have with that. And you're going to make parents accept them when the parents don't want to. They may love their kid, but they don't accept the lifestyle. You're going to make them criminals? What if you don't know? What if you know better? What if you know better them? They may say, I feel like a pig. I want to go to the local chop shop and be a pig. But you say, no, you're not a pig. You're a human being. What if you know better than your kid? Am I supposed to like restrain what I know? Just because the law says if I tell my kid who they really are, I'm going to be penalized for it. I must sacrifice the mental health of my child just to make him feel good. His feelings matter than the facts. That's what I'm saying here. Knowledgeable about the issue, and most importantly, to become a support. 
support system for their children because they need to realize that when they if they are bullied, they are mistreated, they are not protective based right now in Virginia. For example, if you are homeless, you leave your house or wherever you are living, you know, there are not shelters in place that would place them right now in a place for the identity that they they have now. So they are we only have female rooms, we have male rooms, bathrooms, but we don't have that for transgender uh, individuals. So that's something that we need to address. But I think that we have to help them to become a support system. I think support systems are there willingly. They're not forced. That's the issue. This is all about force. This is all about pushing your views and your agenda on people and circumventing parents, taking away the authority the parents have over their children, turning children and parents against each other. That's what I see here. All right. I'm going to just keep it going. That's what I'm going to do. Because this right here is it's it's ridiculous. It's really ridiculous here. So I'll just read this bill right here. Okay. Virginia representative introducing a bill to criminalize parents who don't affirm child's identity. Virginia delegate Elizabeth Guzman is planning to introduce a bill that will criminally penalize parents who refuse to affirm their child's sexual identity confusion and who is instead treat their children according to their biological and who instead and treat their children according to their biological sex. The legislation, according to National Review, would expand the definition of child abuse so that the parents could be charged with a felony or misdemeanor for refusing to honor their child's request to be treated as the opposite sex. The bill would define that under Virginia law, abused or neglected children means any child under the age of 18 years old whose parent or other person responsible for their care creates or inflicts, threatens to create or inflict or allows to be created or inflicted upon such child a physical or mental injury on the basis of their child's gender identity or sexual orientation. Guzman serves as a delegate to the Virginia House of Delegates, told 7 News that if her bill became law, the state would investigate parents who refused to affirm their children's sexual identity confusion. There's a... Look at this, okay? <clears throat> okay, so... Guzman, who serves as a delegate to the Virginia House of Delegates, told 7 News that if her bill became law, the state would investigate parents who refused to affirm their children's sexual identity confusion. There's an investigation also in place that is not only from a social worker, but there is a police, also police investigation before we make the decision that there is a, going to be a CPS charge, Guzman said, emphasis added. CPS charge, of course, refers to the charge of child abuse from the state's child protective services agency asked by a police a reporter what the consequences could be if cps and police investigations concludes that a parent is not affirming their child's gender identity Guzman said the following we well we first would have to have an investigation you know it could be a felony it could be a misdemeanor but we know that a cps charge could harm you know your employment could harm your education 
you're willing to break up a home. You want to break this family apart if they don't accept their their kids' delusion. Ryan T. Anderson, who serves as the president of the Ethics and Public Policy Center, spoke out against a bill against the bill on Twitter. Or William Anderson wrote, "Losing custody for telling your daughter she's a girl and refusing to tell her she's a boy." Even Orwell couldn't even have dreamed this up. Desmond asked by a reporter whether she was criminalizing parents. Desmond answered in the negative. No, it's not. It's educating parents because the law tells you the do's and don'ts. So this law is telling you do not abuse your children because they're alphabet. Desmond also used holy scriptures to support her bill. Wow. The Bible says to accept everyone for who they are, Desmond said. So that's what I tell them when they ask me that question. And that's what I will continue to tell people. Of note, of note, there is no verse in the Bible that says to accept everyone for who they are. Rather, frequently throughout the Gospels, Jesus Christ meets individuals where they are, like the Samaritan woman at the well, and calls them to deny themselves, repent, and follow him. In a post-Christian world, that type of invitation may sound harsh, but it's actually liberating and loving. Last month, we published remarks from Dr. J. Richards, who serves as the director of Richard and Halen Devo Center for for Life, Religion, and Family at the Heritage Foundation. He spoke out against the gender ideology at the National Conservationism Conservationism Conference in Miami, Florida. He said the following, gender ideology. It's a fundamentally anti-life, anti-human ideology. It's coming from our kids, and we have to do something about it. Emphasis added, this proposed bill is a direct attack on families, parents, and their right to raise their children according to their deeply held bio- and biological correct beliefs. Gender, ideolo- gender ideology poses as a deep threat to religious freedom and parental rights, and we must firmly oppose it at the cultural and political levels. That's basically it. Christians must be willing to be- take principle and firmer approach to defeating gender ideology because it's coming for the children and it's up to us to stop it. Okay. It, this is insane, man. This is really insane. What's going on? They're basically telling you, shut up and let your kid live in delusion. Even if it's possible that your kid um, could end up harming themselves. Okay? This is not a joke, people. This is a dangerous uh, mental instability problem. And they want you to shut your mouth and just let it be. You know what's bad for your kid. And they say, just shut up and let the child just fall apart. That's basically it. All right. Trying to find the next story here. Really? Here we are. Here's the next one. 
the truth about Eric Adams and this immigration problem. Let's get into it. All right. The Republicans were like, here, here's your 11,000 people we don't want to deal with. I think what Abbott was doing has like proven that like it's one of our systems. And frankly, I don't know how much Biden is going to appreciate having a mayor be like, hey, you won't lose any money because of this migrant crisis. Eventually, it's going to make Biden look bad, which we're months out from the midterm. It's a very perilous situation for him. And I don't know that Eric Adams is like capable enough to navigate it. And ultimately, it's like us struggling to comply with our own laws, like our right to shelter laws. The city has a right to shelter law. No one in the city is supposed to sleep on the street. People do, but they do it by choice. And like our laws state, we have to take care of that. That is the law of the city. They do it by choice because you house them in shelters and put them in rooms packed like sardines with dangerous people. So they'd rather take their chances on the streets. The law is not designed to say, like, we want asylum seekers to come to New York City. That's not the design of the law. Can we just, like, amend our right to shelter laws? I mean, we could. We're choosing not to. <laughs> like, we could repeal it. Talk about, like, us just limiting the number of migrants we would accept. Um, and I'm glad that we didn't do it that way. And if the mayor did that, everyone would resign. They'd be like, all right, I'm out. Like, this guy. I have colleagues in government who were going to resign if the mayor put a cap on immigrants. And he was like, after 20,000, like, we're not taking care of them. They were going to resign over it. How many will we accept? All of them. Like, we don't like it, but we'll take as many as they can send it. I think the optics of this are bad for Biden and they're bad for the mayor. And I think Biden's saying like, all right, I'm just going to give away money to New York City because like they can't take care of these migrants. It's going to just be bad politics for him. The city is broke, uh, which makes me very nervous as someone who is paid by the city. Uh, we're anticipating like a $10 billion budget deficit by 2026 right now. The city is broke, yet you want immigrants in this country, in, in this New York City. You want to keep accepting immigrants. We, <clears throat> excuse me. You're bro- we're broke and you're doing this. He said it. We are broke. This city is broke, which makes me very nervous as someone being paid by the city. But you keep flooding the city with illegal immigrants. What do you think is going to happen? If you could help it, get out of New York City. If you could help it, I know I can. Someone who is paid by the city. Uh, we're anticipating like a $10 billion budget deficit by 2026 right now. There was free money from the government for the last two years because of COVID. Yeah. All of that's gone. Can you just raise the taxes? The mayor doesn't want to. I mean, that is an option. Or we could like reduce services and just not give people enough stuff. I don't know. Things are going to for the aging immigrants. Like, we're having. Wow. What? You hear this? I don't know. Fix something. I, I mean, we could raise taxes. The mayor doesn't want to do that. So um, we'll just not give people enough stuff. Wow. Put them at an advantage. I don't know. Pick something. Department of Aging. Immigrants. We're like we're losing, like we're housing immigrants right now from Texas. It's like we're housing immigrants right now from Texas. It would be very 
Time and time again. Comment from New York City Mayor's Office. Time and time again, Project Veritas has lied and spliced video to spin false narratives and deceive the American people. No one has any reason to believe a word from the enterprise run by convicted by a convicted criminal and one that admitted to lying in an effort to even have a conversation with a member of our team. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's hear what they got to say now after they've been busted. Let's hear what they got to say. Fair use, though, fair use. All right. New York City deserve to know. Right. We our nurses, know. our nurses during the pandemic. Do you have any comment, Mayor? Sir, sir, we appreciate the question. Hey, Mayor Adams, it's me again. Hey, any any comments, sir, on what your staffer said, disparaging cops with, with regards to the vaccine mandate, sir? Sir, you're being protected by law enforcement right now, Mayor Adams. You have no comment. You're going to ignore the people for how long, Mayor Adams? Mayor Adams still does not want to have any comment about his staffer, Chris Baugh, who was caught in undercover video. Are you Chris? Hey, yeah. I'm James Lalino, Project Veritas Action. The woman that no, you've been no, meeting, no, no. This, the woman that you've been meeting with is actually an undercover journalist for Project Veritas Action. So we have you on undercover camera you talking about kidding me. Well, see, you're mocking cops, firefighters and police here about the vaccine mandate. Are they going to get their jobs back? I'm not talking to you at all. Uh, you're talking to me right now, sir. So we have you on footage I'm here. Not, we're going to release. I'm not talking to you. Well, sir, we're we're talking to you right now. I'm showing you the footage. That's you sitting there. Do, do you, would you like that to see? I was taken without my permission. I'm not talking to you. Sir, you said Republican governors flooded our system, quote, flooded our system. How long until New York City's pro-migrant policies become unsustainable, sir? Chris, you also said you don't know if Adams is capable enough to navigate the crisis that's going on right now. But what else do New Yorkers need to know about uh, Mayor Adams's incapabilities? When will Adams demand action from the federal government, Chris? You mocked cops and firefighters and nurses. Do you have the courage to do what they do? Do you think Mayor Adams is corrupt? You did say that. Uh, what is he doing that's corrupt? I mean, you got to know where the bodies are buried. You're like one of his top aides, so... Yep, 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 yeah, man, yeah. Yeah, man, this is going to look bad. I suggest people, if you can get out of New York, please do. Please do it. That's all I could tell you. Please do it. Because this this is going to get bad. All right. This is going to get extremely bad. All right. Because 
New York is in bad shape. And when it finally breaks, when it finally gets to that point where it's the dam just breaks, the levee, the water just, you know, everything falls out. The bottom falls out. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get extremely ugly in this country. All right. All right, let's talk about the World Economic Forum. Let's get into that. All right. And the audacity they have to even think this. W, the World Economic Forum says humans must plug themselves into our matrix or die. Despite what mainstream media has attempted to convince us, the World Economic Forum are not trying to fix anything. They're trying to break everything and leave it broken. They're trying to break you. They want to start paying. They want, I'm sorry, you might want to pl- start paying closer attention. Okay. And, um, Let's check this out. Fair use. Fair use. Let's just check this one out. Despite what the mainstream media are attempting to convince us, the World Economic Forum are not trying to fix anything. They're trying to break everything and leave it broken. They are trying to break you. You might want to start paying closer attention. WEF lead advisor Yuval Noah Harari, who has a history of saying the quiet part out loud, has been promoting his new book. During an interview this week, he admitted what many people have long suspected. According to Harari, who is Klaus Schwab's right-hand man, the big political question of the 21st century is, what do we need so many humans for? When asked if he has any answers to that question, Harari is amused. Watch this. The big political and economic question of the 21st century will be what do we need humans for? Or at least what do we need so many humans for? Do you have an answer in the book? Um, At present, the best guess we have is uh, keep them happy with drugs and computer games. The Roman Empire had bread and circuses. Klaus Schwab's hero, Karl Marx, said religion was the opium of the people. But today's elites have hit upon a deadly formula to keep the permanent underclass happy. Video games and drugs. Make no mistake, the global elite wants you drugged and in a stupor. The makers of Idiocracy had it right way back in 2006. As the 21st century began, human evolution was at a turning point. Natural selection the process by which the strongest, the smartest, the fastest reproduced in greater numbers than the rest, a process which had once favored the noblest traits of man, now began to favor different traits. Most science fiction of the day predicted a future that was more civilized and more intelligent. But as time went on, things seemed to be heading in the opposite direction, a dumbing down. How did this happen? Evolution does not necessarily reward intelligence, with no natural predators to thin the herd. 
began to simply reward those who reproduced the most and left the intelligent to become an endangered species. A comedy movie, sure, but as Shakespeare's King Lear said, in jests there is truth. The global elite have been... That is true. I mean, people were thinking about, you know, have by now we would have... Um, we would have, you know, space cars and we would have, uh, you know, you know, living like the Jetsons, but we're not, we're regressing. We're more and more society is becoming extremely primitive, very selfish, very barbaric, and it's not getting any better, not getting smarter, getting dumber. And it's it, it's scary. Okay, families are broken up, falling apart left and right. People don't want to get married anymore. More people are getting divorced than they are getting married. And um, this 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 is sad, horrific actually. And we're going into the new world order. Been dumbing down the masses for decades. The Common Core curriculum, the brainchild of Bill Gates and Barack Obama, is the perfect example. 13 years after the Obama administration began forcing schools around the country to adopt Common Core, students are now recording results lower than previously thought possible, with staggering declines in average math and reading scores. Teachers have been coming forwards with results for years to prove the controversial teaching method is a failure and significantly less effective than traditional teaching methods. Now, a new international study by the Pioneer Institute backs them up. Released in late April, the study reveals huge drops in math and reading scores since Common Core was fully enacted in 2013. This was after decades of consistent growth in both categories. Meanwhile, the Western world is awash with drugs, both pharmaceutical and illicit. The COVID pandemic response proves that government has been captured by Big Pharma, and it's an open secret that the mainstream media is controlled by big pharma advertisement spending. One of the facts of American life these days is that many prescription drugs are now household names. Both doctors and the public want to reach for the newest prescription drug. You can't sit down to TV at night and not see a half a dozen drug company commercials. Millions of Americans watch the ads and then ask their doctors for prescriptions. The reason we're seeing so much consumer advertising is because it works. They do it by telling people, ask your doctor. They can sell us almost anything. streets are awash with illicit substances and rather than cracking down on the poison our own three-letter agencies are at least partially responsible a ton of cocaine pure cocaine worth hundreds of millions is smuggled into the united states sound familiar not the way this ton of cocaine got here according to what the former head of the drug enforcement administration told mike wallace this drug shipment got here courtesy of what he calls drug trafficking by the cia in partnership with the venezuelan national guard the CIA and the Guardia Nacional wanted to let cocaine go on into the traffic without doing anything. They wanted to let it come up to the United States, no surveillance, 
know nothing. So here you've got Jim Campbell, chief of station, who knows about this. Mark McFarland, CIA officer, knows about this. And are stimulating this, this business of sending what are uncontrolled deliveries of drugs, smuggling drugs into the United States, right? Right. Now we have methamphetamine, fentanyl, and other opioids running rampant in our society, destroying human beings, keeping us on our knees. Drugs, education standards, a compliant citizenry held by lockdowns. It's a perfect storm and happens to fit like a glove with the globalist elite's plans. And it's not even the first time Yuval Noah Harari has let slip regarding their plans for humanity. He recently declared that the WEF considers the vast majority of the human population to be obsolete, useless, and redundant. According to Harari, so-called common people are right to be fearful of a future in which they will be made redundant. The WEF henchmen assess the widespread anxiety <coughs> among common people as being rooted in a fear of being left behind in a future run by smart people. Such fears are justified, according to Harari, he spoke on behalf of the elites and confirmed, we just don't need the vast majority of you. Harari's deeply disturbing remarks serve as the strongest warning yet that Klaus Schwab's WEF is intent on depopulating the world. If you go back to the middle of the 20th century, and it doesn't matter if you're in the United States with Roosevelt, or if you're in Germany with Hitler, or if you're in, in, in the USSR with Stalin, and you think about building the future, then your building materials are those millions of people who are working hard in the factories, in the farms, the soldiers in the... You need them. You don't have any kind of future without them. Um, and now fast forward to, to the early 21st century when we just don't need the vast majority of the population. Because because uh, the, the future is about developing more and more sophisticated technology, like, again, artificial intelligence, bioengineering. Most people don't contribute anything to that, except perhaps for their data. And whatever people are still doing, which is useful, these technologies increasingly will make redundant and will make it possible to, to replace the, the people. Harari's comments are deeply disturbing because when they are placed in context with comments by other WEF advisors and affiliates like Bill Gates, it becomes clear that they have disablement and depopulation on their mind. We cannot, we cannot hide away from human population growth because, you know, it underlies so many of the other problems. All these things we talk about wouldn't be a problem. If there, were, if there was the size of population that there was 500 years ago. The scariest part of all of this is they're not even trying to hide their plans anymore. That's the thing. People say it's conspiracy. Oh, it's conspiracy. No, no, no. The, the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a shock, man. That's a shock. That's my scary, scary thing, you know? But, gosh. It was great while it lasted, you know? It was great while it lasted. <laughs> yeah. That is um, a reality that many of us face, you know? Um, it, 
It is what it is, man. It is what it is. All right. So let's get into this story right here. Um, Hold on, let me put it up here. It's about fentanyl. Okay. Let's get into it. Border Patrol seizes 44 pounds of fentanyl labeled with CNN logo. Tampa, Florida, nearly 20 bricks of suspected fentanyl, some marked with cable news network CNN's logo, were seized at the southern border, according to the officials with U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Authorities said the packages were stopped at the Far International Bridge cargo facility in Texas on October on Thursday, October 13th, when officers encountered a commercial tractor trailer arriving from Mexico. A Border Patrol officer ordered the tractor trailer to pull over for further inspection using non-intrusive inspection equipment and screening by a canine team. As officers inspected the vehicle, they uncovered 19 packages of alleged fentanyl concealed within the tractor. Authorities said the packages had combined a weight of 44.35 pounds and a street value of 1036 1036 dollars thousand dollars sorry cb officers intercepted this load of fentanyl the largest thus far in port history thanks to great teamwork and the utilization of available tools and resources said port director carlos rodriguez Aldaldo far Zodales port of entry entry it is important to remember how lethal fentanyl is which is why officers always work wearing um Always work wearing wearing professional protective equipment and use vital equipment which can identify these dangerous substances before officers handle them. The drugs in the tractor trailer were seized and the case remains under investigation. What I want to know is why why were they wrapped um, in paper with a CNN logo? Why? That's what I want to know. I want to know that. Why? Why? Why did they do that? <clears throat> any any suggestions? Any suggestions? That's what I'd like to know. Okay. Let's get into this other story right now. Oh boy. Scan hmm. this. Now I'm not going to touch this story. I'm going to touch another story. I'm just going to have to do that. Scan to this story right here. Here we go. Car Talk Radio Live in 4K. ...ordered federal agents to investigate parents who dare to complain about their school boards. In particular, parents are no longer allowed to say anything... 
when creepy adults sexualize their children. Come to my van, little girl. I've got some candy. Don't say a word. But that has not kept some parents quiet. In San Diego County, California, one mother called Brittany Mayer, <coughs> school board, supposed to be educating her children, had instead invited them to a, quote, family-friendly drag show sponsored by a San Francisco general reassignment surgery center and a nightclub. Here's what she said at a recent meeting of the Encinitas Union School Board, which promoted the event. What is it about a grown man costumed in a sparkly bra with augmented boobs busting out, a leather miniskirt barely covering his twerking ass with tuck tape on his front while spreading his fishnetted legs as he rides on the ground, grinding his groin next to a minor tonight and we're glad that she is pretty thanks so much for coming on um so <laughs> this is the school that's supposed to be educating your kids and they're sexualizing your kids how did you find out about this so the union school district took it upon themselves to send out the invitation to all families in encinitas and uh they actually have it's interesting they have an approval process that they violate <laughs> It says in their rules of conduct that they can't send out anything that is lewd, that is political, that is controversial. And they decided to send out a boobash invitation that is sponsored by a gender reassignment clinic out in San Francisco and a 21 plus gay nightclub in San Diego. So to say we were confused would be an understatement. What does this have to do with educating your children? Well, that's a really good question, Tucker. And we asked... Grown men <clears throat> dressing in drag, dancing provocatively in front of kids. And then you got people be like, they're not hurting anybody. Okay. Let them be themselves. You're bigoted. You're closed-minded until your kid gets harmed. Then it's an issue. A lot of people need to wake up, especially the black community. Have to wake up. Okay, you want to talk about a war? Look, this is going to poison and destroy your community. They're coming after your kids. And the sad thing is that many parents don't like their own children. That's why they bring them to these Halloween drag shows, these a drag queen story hour, because the parents really don't like their kids. They don't. It's a fact. You bring your kids to these stuff, you hate your children. That is a fact. You hate your kids. You don't want to protect them. You hate them. And you demonize people like her who wants to protect children. To 
issue an apology and an explanation, which they didn't, which is why we decided to show up. And I want to make it really clear that this is not a an isolated incident. This is coming to every school across the nation. And if you think that it's just going to stay in California, you're dead wrong. This is coming everywhere. And it's why we stood up and we said, we're going to nip this in the bud. We're not going to play by the rules that we're supposed to be afraid that we're going to be punished if we don't speak up now. And I hope that this breeds courage for parents all over the nation who see this this trend starting to change where, like you just said, our kids aren't being educated in the fundamentals. They're being hypersexualized, And we are done with this. How is this different from pedophilia? Do you know? Say that again. How is this different from pedophilia? Well, it sounds like it's one and the same. And, you know, I that's why I made it really clear that you can slap labels on anything. You can make anything family friendly that you want. And that's the danger of this ideology is that we're being told to use new terms and new language, which is I think we do a disservice when we play by those rules. We need to yes. stand up and use the words as the words, the words that we know what they mean. And what those adults are doing is they're pimping out our kids to gender reassignment to clinics, and they're pimping them out to 21 plus nightclubs. And like I said, it's coming all over the nation. And we need to now use brave words and words with meaning and call it like it is. Yeah. I mean, I just have sat in awe and watched passive parents let creepy adults sexualize their children and it's just so gratifying to see someone say enough so thank you for doing this is uh this is what we're dealing with this is what we're dealing with and the thing is like they've done everything including uh trying to minimize the title of pedophilia and put maps in this place minor attracted persons um it's crazy they're really trying to come after the kids any way they can and the only way to to fight this is to speak up all right that's the only way to deal with this Here's another situation that's going on. Raw Talk Radio, live in 4K. University of Michigan Healthwest employee says the health system fired her for no reason other than her religious beliefs. She filed a complaint in federal court this week. Fox 17's Marisa Ovalee spoke with both her and her attorney. She joins us live in the newsroom with this story. Marisa. Jamie and Joshua in this complaint, Valerie Klosterman and her team are alleged U of M Healthwest went against her religious rights when she provide, refused to provide referrals for gender reassignment surgeries and procedures. A spokesperson with the health system called her claims meritless. Valerie Klosterman still struggles with what happened to her. I am heartbroken still. My kids hold my hand when we drive by the office. 
Last August, the physician's assistant, who practiced for 17 years at Metro Health Caledonia, says she lost her job after the health system required her to go through diversity and inclusion training that contained a requirement to affirm statements related to sexual orientation and gender identity. This is not what I believe. It violates my conscience. It also violates uh, my Hippocratic oath. Close Sermon says her Christian faith and opinion as a medical professional prevented her from agreeing to that, so she asked for a religious accommodation, only to instead get a termination letter from U of M Health West. And no one ever asked for a referral for sex-altering drugs or procedures. Um, this was all hypothetical. Kayla Tony, Closterman's attorney, says during her career, her clients served patients from all backgrounds without issue, including those in the LGBTQ plus community, and offered to only say a person's name during appointments or refer to them as quote-unquote patient in paperwork as a possible solution. She adds there's a history of non-religious accommodations at the clinic, too. So on Tuesday, they filed a federal lawsuit which argues you of them Health West violated Closterman's First and Fourteenth Amendment rights on top of protections guaranteed under the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Ousting religious providers like Valerie from the workplace really does a disservice to the community as a whole. Closterman says she just wants to stand up for her beliefs. I can't compromise that. That is not something that I can say, well, that's fine in my day-to-day life, but when I'm at work, I don't have to believe that or I don't have to you know, abide by um, what the word says just simply because I step into the doors of the University of Michigan. Now, in Closerman's lawsuit, it includes a notice from the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which says this past July, the, the office declined to proceed with its investigation into a claim that she filed, although it notes that did not make any determination about whether further inquiries would establish any violations of the statute. And now that helps us put into perspective U of M Health West's statement to us. They declined an interview but said, quote, University of Michigan Health West has not seen a lawsuit from Ms. Klusterman and cannot comment on claims that haven't been formally made. However, if they are similar to her claims filed with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, they will also be without merit. And if you would like to read this full suit, you can head on over to our website right now at foxandmateenonline.com. Fair use. <clears throat> Fair use. So, you know, now you see that they really want you to get your hands dirty with this. Okay? She doesn't want to perform these surgeries. And The fact of the matter is there's a 99% deletion rate when these surgeries are done to these people. That's what they don't tell you. I wish her the best. I do. Maybe she'll win. All right. Now we have this uh, situation that there's a constant epidemic now of people getting pushed on trains. Be careful when you're going on these subway trains, man. Just be careful.
get into it. Our Talk Radio, live in 4K. A woman is speaking out after being pushed onto the subway tracks by a random man. Yeah, Fox 5's Christine Russo has this exclusive story you will only see here on Fox 5. It makes me sad because, like, nobody helped me. Like, I did that all by myself. And, like, they're always up there near the turnstiles. And had they been down by the subway, like, I don't know. Like, it's, like, now I have to, like, have, like, nightmares about being in the tracks. And, like, had they been down there, I would have never been in the tracks. You know what I mean? It's the first time this 22-year-old Brooklyn woman who doesn't want us to use her name is reliving the night that she says changed her life. Do you never think you're going to be in a moment where it's like, I need to live? That's all I could think about. All I could think about is I need to get out. September 19th was a typical night for her. She says all that was on her mind was getting home and relaxing after a long work day. But when she got off her Crown Heights subway stop, she was suddenly knocked out by a random man. In moments, she was on the ground, kneeled over, and then even more horrifying, pushed onto the tracks. Being in the tracks, that's what gives me nightmares. Like, being down in the tracks, I don't remember, like, him punching me, I didn't, I didn't feel any pain. Being in the tracks, that, that was the most scary thing of my life. Unbelievably, she says she was able to pull herself up to the platform and sprint out of the station. I looked like a monster. Like, my face was all swollen. I didn't even know I had a black eye until I looked in the mirror. People were like, they didn't want me to touch them because they didn't want blood to get on them. I was like grabbing at people screaming. In the weeks since, she's reflected on where that... It's sad, man. It is sad people don't want to help. <clears throat> this is the type of city we live in, and... and the time we're living in, and it's very cold-hearted. You have to have your head on a swivel, and it's mental health problems. People with mental health issues are running rampant now. It's crazy. Be careful. That's all I could tell you in, in New York City. Strength to pull herself up and out of the tracks came from. She says it was an unlikely source. I love Gwen Stefani. I'm a huge I'm a super fan of her, and she's pulled me on stage, like, so many times. In fact, she pulled herself up at a recent Vegas show where the stage, she says, was about the same height as the subway platform. It's because Gwen's called me on stage so many times, like, that's why my body knew what to do. Meanwhile, police say the suspect took off after stealing her phone and hasn't been arrested yet. The investigation is still open. Even though she's safe now and is slowly going back to commuting on the subway, she says she's been changed indefinitely. Think everybody that looks at me is going to hurt me. Like, that's what changed about me. I think I don't trust anyone anymore. Like, I think everyone's going to hurt me now. I think everyone I walk past is going to push me in. In Crown Heights, Christine Russo. I feel bad for her. She didn't deserve that. And it's a very sick and sad world that we live in. A very sad world that we live in now. Okay. Um... 
we talk about Russia says several arrested in foiled attack on Turk Stream pipeline. Let me talk about that. Asylums need to come back. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. <clears throat> they do. Because a lot of people are not getting the help that they need, so they need to be put in asylums. It's too much profit in the mentally ill for the wrong reasons. And uh, even with, like, shelters, right? New York City shelters. They don't really care about those people. They just house them. They're not getting mentally checked out. They're not getting a shrink, a qualified shrink. They're not being pushed to get better work. They're not getting pushed off the drugs. They're not getting pushed to be better people. They give them apartments. And when departments, and when the, they can't pay the rent, they're back out on the street. And the cycle continues. And then you have these people on the street harming other people. And they could run into a shelter to escape from paying the consequences for their actions. This is New York City's, uh, city's uh, system. Sad to say. Moving on to this story. The Kremlin said on Thursday that several people have been arrested during the foiled attack on the Turk Stream gas pipeline on Russian territory. Infer, Interfax News Agency reported Russia has said it's stepping up security on the Turk Stream pipeline, which carries Russian gas to Turkey amid unexplained ruptures on the Nord Stream gas pipelines in the Baltic Sea and an oil leak on the Dershba pipeline in Poland. The Russian Federal Security System Security Service FSB said previously that it had prevented an attempt by the Ukrainian special forces to commit a sabotage and terrorist act at the facility of the oil and gas complex that supplies energy to the Turkey and to Turkey and Europe. A Russian citizen has been detained earlier whom the FSB claimed was recruited by the Ukrainian Special Service. Interfax at the time did not provide any details on which facility was targeted. The only route that carries Russian gas to both Turkey and Europe is Turk Stream, the pipeline across the Black Sea. The downlink to Turkey carries fuel to several European countries, including Serbia and Hungary, which are seen as friendly with Moscow. You got a lot of, unfortunately, you have Russians that are very dense when it comes to knowing the history of Ukraine. And they don't understand Ukraine has a deep history um, with Nazi beliefs. Okay, as soon as they took in those Nazis, that was it for Ukraine. That was basically it. All right. And Ukraine is what it is today. And now they're suffering because they blew up the Crimea Bridge. All right, that's all I got to do. All I got to say for now. Um, I'll see you on the next one. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Later.